This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to $90 off the original price of four courses within the Everyday Gourmet series of instructional cooking courses. Choose from Essential Secrets of Spices and Cooking, Making Healthy Food Taste Great, Baking Pastries and Desserts, or Making Great Meals in Less Time for only $9.95. This great price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time, so order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. Steve, you've got a great piece in the Weekly Standard right now on the website about what the uh, Benghazi hearings are likely to be like. You have covered the, the Benghazi issue close, more closely than anyone. What's going to happen in today's hearings? What are we expecting and what should happen? Well, you know, it's interesting. If, if, if you and I had talked about this, say, six weeks ago, I think the assumption would have been Republicans are coming in after having spent a year and a half plus uh, doing this investigation, sort of ready to, to really go after Hillary Clinton and, and roast her. Um, and in just a matter of weeks, we've seen really uh, a reversal of the uh, narrative momentum heading into these hearings where you have Republicans based largely on self-inflicted uh, wounds defensive about the Benghazi probe, uh, where you had Kevin McCarthy's comments um, that Democrats have, have recast to suggest this whole thing was intended to be political. You have comments from Richard Hanna, this uh, member of Congress from upstate New York, who doesn't really know anything about the committee, but nonetheless concluded that it was political. Um, you have a series of, of stories and data points that make Hillary Clinton uh, the person going on the offensive in in these hearings, and I think it'll be an interesting dynamic, given the facts of the Benghazi matter, given the questions that we still don't have answers to, and given her her role in this matter. Yeah, and I want to get to those facts in one second, but I just want to intervene or, or interject something here. I've never seen an attack on a republic on a congressional committee where the defenders of a politician, Hillary Clinton's team around her, David Brock, etc have put together attacks on the individual members. Look at what's wrong with that guy. <laughs> Not look what happened the night of Benghazi. Here's an explanation for why two weeks later Hillary Clinton was telling family members we're going to get the guy who made the video. But hey, the guy in the committee, he's bad. I've, and and uh, you know, almost nobody that I've seen in the media, Steve, is bringing up what seems to me to be uh, unprecedented. Trying it's in essence, in essence, it's the defense attacking the prosecutor and the uh, police officers as people separate from their job. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's interesting. I think we could have anticipated generally a pretty tough pushback from Democrats and from uh, the Clinton campaign before these committee hearings. But I agree with you that the, the nature of what we're seeing um, is, you know, if not unprecedented, certainly unusual and very aggressive. But, you know, that's that's the way the Clintons operate, I would expect nothing less. What, what will be interesting is just how much success they uh, they end up having in this new framing of the issue. Because 
you know, if if you look at the way that Republicans were approaching this, uh, Trey Gowdy in particular, I do think he was very serious about a fact-based investigation. I do think that the committee behind closed doors has spent a vast majority of its time uh, looking at questions about Benghazi, about the attacks, about the three tranches before, during, and after. And only after the revelation of the Clinton email, the private server, did they refocus their efforts a bit, but not so much as media reporting over the past couple weeks would suggest. I think they've still been focused largely on the Benghazi matter. Now, there's no question that there will be questions, uh, lots of inquiries to Hillary Clinton today about the email matter, in part because she's She's told so many different stories that have been filled with so many different contradictions. Uh, and a number of claims she's made have, have proven outright false. So, for example, she'll be asked about it. For example, what has Hillary said that's been proven outright false? Well, she said she only used one device. That's false. She's used several. We know that she had at least an iPad and a BlackBerry. She said that she used her the private emails to email with her husband. Her husband's uh, spokesman came out and said Bill Clinton sent two emails in his entire life, and they were both when he was president of the United States. She has made sort of material representations again and again and again that have just proven outright false. Um, now, what about ben- now? What about Benghazi itself? Let's start with the Benghazi events. So you had uh, Ambassador Stevens show up in as Libya and go, holy crap, I thought you guys said this Libya strategy was working. This place is chaos. I need some more security. And what did the State Department under Hillary Clinton do? Well, this is part of the problem, and this will be, a, I think, a major focus of, of the hearings. Um, Chris Stevens goes to Libya as part of the administration's sort of lean forward policy on Libya. They wanted to normalize relations. They wanted uh, everything to look as normal as possible in a post-Qaddafi world. They wanted it to look like the United States had had a presence. The United States was going to be there for a while. This was going to be taking place not under the kind of heightened security that a wartime environment would require. And that was a conscious policy decision. And you've seen the White House try to spin this. Uh, ben Rhodes, you remember his famous um, set of talking points, sort of the second set of Benghazi talking points that came from the White House. And one of the top things Ben Rhodes wanted Susan Rice to say on that uh, fateful Sunday morning, September 16th, five days after the attacks, he wanted to make clear that this was a result of an internet video and not a failure of administration policy. But I think one of the things Republicans will explore today at some length is that very question. Was this a failure of administration policy? And did you create this false narrative to cover this failure in administration policy? And so uh, the events of Benghazi happen. It's evident to anybody watching that when the RPGs and mortars are flying, that this is not a movie review gone wrong. How long a ballpark figure did it take before President Obama and Hillary Clinton stopped talking about the video that they were told the first night, the first night as it was happening, that this was a terror attack and not a random mob? Yeah, I mean, you go back. I mean, that's one of the interesting things. The the committee's had a very difficult time pulling documents from the administration, as had the previous congressional oversight committees. But, you know, in that long process, aided by outside groups suing the State Department and other agencies 
forcing them to, to provide this documentation. They didn't provide it to congressional investigators, but they provided it largely in response to these outside lawsuits. And what we've seen emerge over these many months of this documentation come out is real-time assessments of what was going on. So, you know, it's not just that you know, when we were watching this unfold in the days after September 11th, we were scratching our heads and saying, boy, why are they putting so much emphasis on this Internet video? That doesn't make much sense. We can now see in the contemporaneous words of the people who were involved in the, in the problem, both in written word and in testimony, they weren't focused on an Internet video. I mean, you talk to the people who were on the ground. Greg Hicks, who was the, the number two diplomat in Libya at the time, was, was in Tripoli. And he said nobody was talking about a video. The three CIA contractors who wrote the book 13 Hours, which is an exhaustive review of the details of what happened on the ground, said nobody was talking about a video. One after another after another, we've, we've heard from people who were there, we've read the documents in real time, that said this was never about a video, and yet the administration persisted in making it about a video. You remember at the, the, the ceremony to welcome the, the bodies of the victims right. home, Hillary Clinton made promises to Sean Smith mother Pat and to Ty Woods father Charles that the administration was determined to bring to justice the filmmaker the filmmaker and to me that is the kind of emotional hinge for me of this issue it's such an outrage to have her lie to these family members long after she knew what the truth was clearly for the sake of pure politics a couple other basic fact questions for let you go where was Hillary Clinton while the Benghazi attack was ha- the attack which went over hours you had you know eight ten hours in which you could have done something where was she well, we have gaps in our understanding of exactly where she was. There are documents that point to her conversations with um, State Department officials. Remember, the, the, the State Department put out a statement late that night, mm-hmm. uh, which made first reference to the video on the night of September 11th. Um, so she was in communication with State Department folks. We don't have a full accounting of where she was. We don't have a full accounting of where the president of the United States was. And, you know, it's important for people to understand those are things that, that are logs that are kept assiduously. I mean, the, the White House can tell you if it decides to where the president of the United States was at any particular moment at any time. Right. And the fact that we don't know that is the result of a choice. They've chosen not to share that information with us. I do hope one of the things we learn over the course of of this committee, I don't know that we'll learn it today, but I'd like to know where the president was. And I'd like to know why we haven't been been given that information. It's strange that here we are three years later, and the simple question of, Mr. President, where were you when you found out about the Benghazi attack? Who told you, and what did you tell them to do? We can't answer that question. John Bolton says that Hillary Clinton went home that night, and that she was working from home. And of course, we know how secure all the email traffic was at Casadel Clinton. That's why it's so frustrating to watch how politicized has become. A new poll says more than 70% of Americans think this is a political event. Last question, Steve Hayes. Can the dynamic of that conversation change in these hearings, or do you think the typical thumbs-handed Republicans will turn this into another fiasco where they're ping-pong-balling back and forth as opposed to letting Trey— I I think, Steve, they should just—no one should talk except Trey Gowdy. Just I I concede my time (laughs) to Trey Gowdy, and then that's it. Be quiet. Well, I I don't think that's an option, in part because Trey Gowdy has spent the past couple days without a voice. 
Um, so he's he's been uh, taking steroids, trying to uh, make sure that he can talk and ask questions at this hearing. You can see on, in his interviews on Sunday that he was losing his voice. Uh, so so Gowdy, I think, is going to maybe not do as much talking as people might think. I do think Republicans are coming into these hearings much better prepared than they did in the previous hearings. Um, I think that the members of the committee on the Republican side are, are the kind of people who are going to be much less concerned about giving a big speech, about making a big name for themselves, about having a big splash, than they are with eliciting information from the witness. And that's been the problem with many of these investigations. I mean, there have been problems with all of the investigations, previous investigations, and it's why I think this investigation and the special committee was necessary. But you had members of Congress giving many speeches and and sharing their outrage and shouting down witnesses rather than asking simple, direct, logical and sequential questions that that extracted information from the witnesses. I think you're likely to see much more of that today. The challenge that they face is twofold. One, the media the media doesn't care as a general uh, proposition about the details of Benghazi. It is the near universal view of establishment journalists in Washington that Benghazi is a ridiculous issue, that this shouldn't even be under discussion, that the special committee was unnecessary. Uh, you, you mentioned Benghazi today in front of, in, in a crowd of, of mainstream media types, and you're likely to get eye rolls, more likely to get eye rolls than any other reaction. So that's one challenge, and Republicans are going to be making this questioning in front of a media set to judge them who's skeptical of their mere existence, the existence of the committee. The second challenge I think they face is also a media challenge, and that is the people who are going to be covering this and paying most attention to this are political journalists, not necessarily national security journalists who are familiar with the details of what happened in Benghazi. There will be some of that, to be sure, but this hearing is going to be seen through a political prism. It's going to be covered in the kind of horse race up and down. Did Hillary Clinton survive? Will this affect her presidential campaign? Much more than it will uh, an assessment of the facts. And, And we've seen that even in that kind of environment where it is focused on facts, where it is focused on her veracity, she manages to skate when she's saying things that aren't true, as she has, again, repeatedly in, in this email uh, controversy. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to a report from you about what happens in the committee. Great. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.